this episode of Half a Star is sponsored by Vampires. Run, don't walk from vampires. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Half a Star. We've got a really exciting episode for you today. We have Chris Sandiford. He is an actor. He is a comedian. He is a very, very funny person. And you might see him on television on what we do in the shadows. And in honor of Chris's foray into vampirism, we will be talking about Half Star Vampires. Dun, dun, dun. All that and more on a very special half a star. He's Justin. He's Ben. Take it away, Rob. I don't listen because it's a podcast. But if you feel that you must, here they are then, Ben and Justin. Together they are half of a star. That was the happy slappy jingle from Rob McDonald. He wrote us a little jingle and is still yet any public acknowledgement to having written it. So Justin. Yes. It's a beautiful sunny day out there as I'm looking out my window here in Cardigan, Prince Edward Island. It's a beautiful sunny day out there, Justin. And you know who hates sun, Justin? Miserable people. Yes, but specifically vampires oh yeah yeah they do hate it it gives them a rash it burns different uh, interpretations of uh, the vampire lore um it's unclear it is unclear what happens to vampires when they burn but maybe our guest chris sandiford maybe he can shed some light on the situation with vampires uh we're really lucky to have him he's a good get yeah he's a super funny guy and uh he has no business saying yes to doing this podcast so we're really happy he did we're really glad we could cash in on uh, getting him while he was sitting down during this this fun little 2020 so he's a great comedian he's currently uh featured on a show about vampires i love vampires Vampires. Do you love vampires? I do. I used to really love vampires. Uh, I went as Dracula for like four years in a row in Halloween when I was a kid. Nice. Uh, yeah, I got like a little widow's peak drawn on my forehead in like black makeup. Uh, nice. And it was like, I, yeah, I had like a little medallion and everything with the cape. It was like pretty cool. Um, the coolest kids get a fake widow's peak just drawn on their head. I remember going to school and seeing all the cool kids. They just had their widow's peaks flaunting them, their virtue signaling of their, their peaks. I'd and now, and Justin, <laughs> in our advanced age, the widow's peak is a real concern. It's a concern, mostly because my hairline is just receding ever so. And it's just, it's making a bit of a, a, a peak on, on its own. It's not peaking down. Everything's just receding up <laughs> and just by virtue. It, it looks, it's, like, it's like a negative space widow's peak. I look like a folksy vampire who might play a banjo. Yeah, it's like if there was a, if there was a vampire in the Lumineers. Speaking of pop culture vampires, Justin, you and I have compiled a list. Another list. We love lists. L-I-S-T. It's a half a star list. 
This is the half a star list of half a star vampires. How many do we have on the list, Justin? Three. I'll start with the first one. You and I, Justin, in this pandemic, we have taken to watching a lot of television shows. Correct? Go on. Yes. yes. And you and I have been watching the same show off and on for a little while, the show called Scrubs. Mm. Yes. Now, in the show called Scrubs, the main character, John Dorian, uh, has been writing a screenplay in secret. And that screenplay is called Dr. Acula. And it's about a vampire doctor. Uh, yeah. I had a feeling it was going there. Yeah. So... The show makes fun of this screenplay a lot, and it shows scenes from it. it, it honestly, it's pretty funny in its, in its sort of C-movie level of schlock. Um, and and make, there's been a lot of fan campaigns to try to get it actually made, which I think is kind of funny. I mean, I think it works out because if you ask me, doctors are all bloodsuckers. Hey, all right. Whoa, all whoa, right. whoa, whoa, put it away, kid, put it away. What do you got next? My other one is uh, probably, for many people, the first vampire they were ever exposed to as a child. I am talking about the Count from Uh, Sesame Street. Yes. Now, here is my problem with the Count from Sesame Street. He is a Count, obviously, and he counts. That is what he does. The fact that he is a vampire is irrelevant to his thing. Yeah, he's he also a Muppet. Be, he could just be a regular count who counts things. He doesn't have to be a vampire. And the fact that he comes out during the day, he's never just out at night. It's Yeah, how, that's a good question. How much of Sesame Street takes place at night? I'm not sure I can think of anything. Yeah, that's true. I, I think I forget that the count is a vampire. I don't even know if they actually say he is a vampire. He sure looks like one, though. Yeah. Hi, Justin, you know what? I'll do another one, okay? Give me. me. Your role in the Halloween experience Ah. as Dracula singing Jumpin' Jack Flash with altered lyrics. That is the number one half a star vampire. I do not disagree. Listeners, allow me to spin you a yarn. I was a young man. I was 19 years old. It was my first play. This was like 2010, I think. One of my first plays, I got I got pulled into doing a musical, and the musical was based on all the Halloween characters, like the big trademark ones, like uh, Dracula, Frankenstein's monster, uh, Wolfman. Although they did call Frankenstein Frankenstein, I had some problems with the <laughs> the, the integrity behind that. Now they wanted us to sing songs, which is like all right. These were, this was like a jukebox musical. And basically what that means, it's pre-existing songs that these <laughs> pre-existing characters are now being <laughs> forced to sing uh, in, a, in a jukebox kind of variety show. And uh, I, I got cast as Dracula and uh, I had to sing a, a version of Jumpin' Jack Flash because why the hell not? And I will say... You and I are friends with the creator of that show. He's a yeah. great guy. We love him to death. We're just yeah. poking fun in a, in, a, in a gentle way. Just razzing. I do remember, though, in a scene, we did a big opening number, and I had to jump into a real casket. Like, this was one that, I don't know if 
if it was like previously used, it was definitely made to code. Um, so I had to dive into this casket in the dark. So it was like a rodeo clown, but except it was a casket on stage. And then I had to stay in the casket for a quarter of an hour. There was like other songs happening while I'm waiting. And then finally I get to make my grand entrance from the casket. And my mom has seen me do a lot of strange things on stage. She's seen me say a lot of th things that I've written myself. But no matter what I do, nothing will trump her seeing her only son rise from a casket. Yeah, that's like one of her stress dreams come to life on stage. Uh, hello! <laughs> <laughs> did you have a makeup widow's peak as part of your costume? You bet I did. Yeah, it buddy. Was, uh, now, listeners, allow me to explain how it was painted. This was not a stylized widow's peak, like in a in any kind of contouring context. It was uh, just a triangle, just like a black triangle, just kind of drawn on. Thankfully, not with a Sharpie because I was just starting out in university. And I will say, though, there was one prime choice made in the show. Uh, Frankenstein was falling in love with Ms. Frankenstein. And uh, his best friend, the Wolfman, was uh, uh, trying to help him, like, woo her. And he was, as Frankenstein was explaining to Wolfman how much he loved her, he just got right into, she drives me crazy. And the Wolfman would howl. She drives me crazy. She drives me crazy. I went to the King's Playhouse when I was like eight years old because they were doing Dracula. Oh, yeah. And there was a guy in it who I thought was the best actor I'd ever seen. And he kind of stoked in me this desire to be an actor. And so I was watching the show and he was playing Van Helsing, I think, like the vampire hunter. And he was like the best part of the show. And I was so entranced and enthralled, to use a vampire pun, uh, by his performance. And then like... Two weeks later, he got arrested for throwing a pie in Jean Chrétien's face. And I was like, the arts truly can change the world. On that note, let's take it to our guest. Actor turned vampire hunter slash comedian, all around good guy, Chris Sandiford. Let's read his bio that he has on his website. Chris Sandiford is a comedian and actor from the future. Originally from Montreal, Quebec, where he matriculated at Concordia University's Mel Hoppenheim School of Cinema, majoring in film production, he now resides in Toronto, Ontario. Chris is one half of the touring sketch comedy duo, ladies and gentlemen. Please be joined by Chris Sandiford. Welcome uh, to the show, Chris. Wow, wow, wow. What a warm welcome. How have you been holding up uh, during this global pandemic that uh, has got us by the throat? It is, I mean, I'm sure uh, my answer won't be too different from a lot of us, especially in our profession. I'm yeah. bored mostly. Um, I'm actually self isolating in Kingston, Ontario with my family in the town that I grew up in. So it's actually been 
a weird kind of garden state reunion-ish oh, yeah. sort of thing where I'm seeing old friends kind of, I'm riding, I'm spending a lot of time by myself. I'm riding my bike around, seeing my old high school. I'm jogging now. Listening to a lot of the shins probably. I'm listening to these great, some great shins albums. And I'm <laughs> really loving that song, that track Split Needles off whatever that album was. Oh, okay. Shout out to Split Needles. When Man. you're trying to get sad, <laughs> I really recommend it. You know what's blowing me away though? Um, I'm watching a lot of news, unfortunately. Oh, but yeah. it's all, I started watching like American news, like at the outset of this, I was watching a lot of American news. But then when they kind of like started turning more into the, like a dumpster fire, I was like, okay, I can't, I gotta keep watching. I just gotta watch Canadian news because they're like, they're more yeah. even handed. Yeah. They're at least, you know, um, reporting. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Whereas there, they're just yelling, and truly, there's a lot of, especially like CNN and Fox, like the two polar opposites. They report on each other, which to me yeah. is insane. Right. And it's fear. It's infuriating. I think um, that's but- the journalistic equivalent of someone screenshotting a tweet and putting it on Instagram. <laughs> they that it's even worse, I'd say, because now yeah. they're screenshotting tweets and putting it up on the news. So I'm like, right. don't report. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, one of the things I, that's, uh, I can't believe I have issue with is um, when this whole thing started becoming a mess in the long-term care homes, um, that's not a laughing matter. That's crazy. That was a huge blind spot. Um, the news kept showing, like at the end, they have like a, an uplifting segment on the news. And I'm noticing there was a lot of them across Canada where people were just taking their they're getting their full kilt on, playing bagpipes. Some guys playing bagpipes in front of the, these places. And I'm thinking, not everybody likes bagpipes. <laughs> How dare you? Like, and then they show on the news, like people, older people at the window, kind of listening, bobbing along. And I'm like, you're not showing the people that are like ear plugging yeah. and turning, like getting deeper inside the building to get, a, to get away from it. That's presumptuous. At one point, so now that's kind of something I'm looking out for. So. At one point, I found a report where it was the same thing where, like, a lady who was taught music by this guy is in a hospital right now. So she brought her trumpet to play. And at the end of the report, she played badly. <laughs> like, badly. And I'm like, what is, this is not good. This is not good news. I guess it's a slow news day. You can have slow news days in the middle of the pandemic, I guess. Yeah, right. <laughs> So I think we have it here from Chris, folks. Uh, playing the trumpet poorly on the news and bagpipes in front of old folks' homes, that is a half-star journalistic <laughs> yeah. idea. And I, I wholeheartedly agree. These are definitely maybe unpopular opinions. And don't get me wrong, I'm completely um, uh, I'm sympathetic to everything that's happened, obviously. Look, we all want to get back to work. We don't want our, our families to die and we want you know i mean holy hell the shit that's gone down in the long-term care homes is crazy yeah. but i mean come on you know play I some think, the I think, boss <laughs> i know? think uh, at I think, least wonderwall just give us wonderwall <laughs> and everything's fine what a world it's come to where we'd rather listen to wonderwall than anything <laughs> um i think t.s Eliot said this is how the world ends not with a bang but with a bagpipe Hey, all right. I, I, there's go. something about that quote. I don't know if it's exact, but you know what? Yeah, it feels about so. the, sen- the sentiment. About the sentiment was there. It's pure. Um, yeah, Chris, I'm interested because I know Justin usually asks this, so I want to get in before he has a chance. Hmm. Uh, I'm interested in what Justin has been calling your Mount Rushmore of comedy. Oh, like who? Who are your major influences? Would you say as? Oh, like a, I see. As I like a young. That. 
as like a young <laughs> up and coming like who were you looking to as a role right. model or who inspires you or something like that well i mean like so because this is being recorded i have to say like growing up like when i was like a little bambino mm. um obviously i was watching a lot of and not even obviously you probably wouldn't even know it to hear me and see me do comedy but like it was a huge influence watching like you know bet and watching like deaf comedy jam oh and totally these, yeah and I was like a fat kid and like I remember watching like these big fat comedians, these big fat black comedians sweating and <laughs> just getting huge laughs at like these shows. And I'm thinking, I got to be one of these people, you know, Wanda Sykes screaming. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's a part of me. Um, I'm a, kind of a maniac. And then you grow up and then you kind of have taste. And then of course, <laughs> like, you know, Richard Pryor is huge. Yeah. To me now, Richard Pryor is like so important. He was like, a bit of an activist and so much of a thinker, but he's also silly, mm -hmm. which I don't think anyone can touch, you know, at least, I mean, yeah, I guess you can have, you have like these Hannah Gadsby characters who are great, but not as silly as Pryor, man. Mm. And mm -hmm. uh, God bless him. But yeah, maybe when I decided I wanted to be doing comedy, like when I was starting, um, you know, it was a lot of Todd Glass. It was like the podcast, when podcasting kind right. of came to be. Yeah, so yeah. it was like Todd Glass, James Adomian, Maria Bamford, Rory mm. Scovel. Um, oh, Rory Scovel's so good. Just like these kind of young lunatics. And also Eddie Pepitone, this like, mm -hmm. he was a hero because he was, you know, in his 40s, maybe 50s, and, you know, not a great looking guy. And But, but he was kind of just making it, and he was himself, and you could right. yell and be a lunatic on stage. Again, that really spoke to me. Like, this is alchemy. There's no surefire way to do it correctly. Right. And everyone has their own kind of approach. And I love that you can just kind of, you don't, there is that trap that a lot of us, you know, fall into. And I'm not saying that I haven't fallen into it, but I have noticed others where it's like, you sound like comedian, you know, you oh, sound yeah. like yeah, that yeah. kind of placeholder. <laughs> speaking with that cadence that yeah. cadence that kind of became a thing and everyone's pretending that dane cook is bad he was great we all know he was great when we were kids and um, i'm sure he's not haute couture i suppose yeah. when we look back now but it's like everyone was doing him when i was in high yeah school. right yeah 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 totally. i know that's probably trite to say i think i've heard other like better men than me say that already but it's true and it's like people still like to be like no he was not he was hack and it's like eh, well he made everyone laugh and i'm sorry if you care where your comedy comes from um but yeah uh whoever i mentioned there so <laughs> <laughs> all of those people yeah we won't test you what is comedian chris sandiford's half star idea okay so this is something um that we thought would be it was me and my so dan karen my best friend yeah. slash comedy partner of a long time um we work together a lot uh on stage, live and, and recorded sketches and, and such. We, a long time ago, um, this would have been five or so years ago in Montreal, we were invited to open for a punk band in Montreal <laughs> at uh, Theater St. Catherine at some punk festival. Yeah. We had an in because like the one of the, well, rather it was barely an in, it was more just one of the bands knew us and was like, let's just get these guys to open for us and like kick off the festival. and. I don't know. We, I've heard stories like this all the time. Paul F. Tompkins and all these people talking about how opening for music is the worst because it's a different expectation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But you know what? It was because they had done it, we had to as well. Mm -hmm. So um, let me just preface this by saying, yeah, 
He's not wrong, Paula Tompkins. It's a terrible <laughs> experience. Um, and here's why. We had a whole sketch planned. It was a punk night. We thought, let's really do a nice send-up of that. Oh, I went yeah. and, like, borrowed my buddy's, like, friggin', the, you know, you know uh, mod-style, like, biker punk jacket. We, like, looked the part, and we just were in the audience in, like, the preamble. Like, we just looked, well, as much as we could just fit in with a bunch of actual <laughs> punk kids who were actually a lot younger than us. Well, a lot. Three to five years younger than us. And we're just kind of like, okay, hanging out, bobbing our heads, <laughs> listening to, you know, the pre, like, there's a band up there kind of warming up. And the then they, the, Yeah. The idea was they were going to come up and be like, hey, welcome to the festival. And to start things off, you know, here's uh, Chris and Dan, or at the, you know, Ladies and Gentlemen, which is yeah. our, uh, our stage name. And essentially they introduce us, but like the bit was as soon as they introduce us, Dan goes up and starts doing like rehearsed bad standup. And then me as like a punk start like mouthing off to him from the audience, which made everybody uncomfortable. <laughs> it didn't work. People were like, is this real? But it wasn't not to say that my performance was so good that it felt real. It was just bad and low energy. So it was like, <laughs> what is this? I, either way, I don't care. This is bad. What's this guy doing? And then the bit evolves to me. So we're yelling back and forth. I'm British for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> Oi, mate, that's rubbish, mate. Look, bring back the, bring back the clash. Bring back, <laughs> oh, Jovi. I'm like yelling bands that don't even, like punks don't even like. <laughs> bon Jovi. <laughs> and I like I get in the guy I get in his face like this was rehearsed we thought it would be we, we thought people would be screaming how wrong we were we get up it just kept getting weirder and weirder we double down obviously because what are you gonna do yeah um they like we drank free for the night we get I get up on stage at one point to get in the guys to get in Dan's face like the bit was I'm getting in his face you suck let's just hear the music basically which ironically is what we all wanted in this display. <laughs> Um, so at the end of the bit, I forget exactly how it culminated, but it basically came to a head with Dan yelling, but it, it was a shouting match. And at one point we both turned to the audience and go live from New York, it's Saturday night. And then we like, we were supposed to both jump off the stage into the audience and run clear out of the room. But what had happened is we both jumped off the stage, but my foot clipped a patch cord which was attached to the guitar <laughs> and me and someone's guitar went flying that's just true onto the ground dan doesn't see this so he runs clear this is Deidre St. Catherine in montreal in downtown in the village so he runs clear down through the bar out the door into the street thinking it's over but he's left me behind <laughs> and i'm on the ground there's a guitar there's a patch cord around my ankle there's a guitar next to me that had landed face down like face down Electric guitar, gorgeous thing. It was all white. Um, all I remember from that, from like right after I landed, is a group of young punks gasping and running toward me, but then running past me to get to the guitar. <laughs> like, you know, to see if I was okay. No, they're looking to see if the guitar was all right. End uh, of story. Um, the guitar was fine, miraculously. I offered to like replace it. I wasn't making any money at the time, but I was, I was good for it. I had good credit. <laughs> Um, I was, I offered to replace it if anything happened. The guitar was fine. It belonged to the friend that booked us. Um, okay. and you know what? It took a lot of, uh, took a lot of courage, but we stayed in that bar to drink for the rest of the night, <laughs> like with those people as wow. crazy as that went. 
That's the so. real punk move is that's, staying. That's what I'm saying. And I'm sure you guys can agree. When you, how hard is it to bomb and then stay? <laughs> stick, stick around. Yeah. Yeah. Around. yeah. I hate yeah. that. But that's, that's huge too. That's a power move. Uh, and that's what we had to employ. Yeah. You're just like standing at the bar going, yeah, I know. Yeah, yes. we, yeah. <laughs> that was the act. Yeah. We wanted to bomb. We rehearsed that. And, yeah. Or if for me, it's more like a, oh, that. Do you think that's what we do? Oh yeah, right. <laughs> you know, I'm more used. To, yeah, yeah. It's usually a, it's usually hit. This was a miss, but you know, <laughs> holy hell, man! Telling that really got my heart going because it's like embar. It's truly embarrassing. There were like people from university. I remember I had crushes on that were there. Oh, there always is, isn't there? There always is. <laughs> there always is. Yeah. Like in this case, it was like, and they hadn't seen me in a long time. And, you know, in the back of my mind, it's like, oh, I look good. I've lost some weight. I've done some TV. I'm doing comedy now. And here I am on the stage and I'm doing, and it, obviously it turned in, it was a huge mess. And I, it, in the end, they had won and I was still this kind of loser. You were just the world's only British punk that loves Bon Jovi. <laughs> Like, I wish we had that filmed because it was <laughs> insane. What were we thinking? And that, I wouldn't even give that a half star. I mean, maybe I'd give it a half star just because now we're laughing. It's one of those classic things. We're laughing yeah. about it now. Um, but holy hell, man. If I were to do it over again, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> like plain and simple. Well, that's, uh, that's kind of the premise of our, of our show. Bad ideas make great stories. Uh, and I think it often begs the question of, is the story of it happening, uh, does that make up for it having happened? I mean, for me, it's more like a, at least I have the story. Right. Yeah. You yeah. know, at least. And don't yeah. get me wrong, like looking back, it's like, what did it matter that all these, you know, Montreal crust punks thought we were wieners, you know, yeah. they're still, they're still back there. And as much as I love Montreal, holy hell, like that's my, one of my favorite towns. I think that's the, my favorite town. Yeah. Um, and if I have any success in this business, uh, I'm going to live there in the summer, you know, mm. if I have the choice. No, man, I don't. What the hell am I thinking? You know, giving weight to these people, to these marshmallows in my mind that populated the audience at this show. You know, what the hell am I thinking? Chris, we have a question for you before you go. What does the sun actually do to vampires? I think Chris might be a vampire. Yeah, he definitely knows more than he's letting on. It was interesting because during the interview, uh, I would occasionally pull out my pocket mirror and hold it up to the camera, and there would be no reflection. That's been another episode of Half a Star, the Vampire Smorgasbord. I'm Justin. He's Justin. And now it's over. And remember, take care of yourselves, wear a mask, wash your hands, don't go to the park. Black Lives Matter.